Dixon. And a very good morning to you. Now, in the aftermath, I don't even think we can call it the aftermath of a pandemic. We're in the midst of it, right? Um, in the midst of this pandemic, in the aftermath of the first two waves, we know that there's a lot to be done. A lot of those, you know, systemic weaknesses um, has really placed a strain on the public services underscored by, you know, the dire levels of, of, of inequality. But I'm going to say this, Ryan Ravens, it's great to have you on. It's been a long time. Hey, you know, good morning. This is the man who makes me want to buy an FJ Cruiser, by the way, just hashtag saying. (laughs) You still have that car. I do, I do. I'm enjoying it, and I'm enjoying seeing the country in that vehicle. I'm sorry, just off the thing. I I knocked into Ryan, I think it was at a macro. I have to tell this story. And he's like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing what I'm doing. And he says, you know, I said, what are you off to? He said, no, I just come back from two weeks. I'm like, two weeks of what? And he's got himself like a little car. and, and, And what I love about what you said is that you're living life. You're taking your breaks, Absolutely. you're taking in what this country has to offer, and then you recharge and you come back. I was just, it was, it was, you know, you have conversations with people and half the time you can't remember what the hell they're up to. But that is one memory, <laughs> I mean, it's ob, but it's one memory that, 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 that sticks with me. But it's good to have you back on air, man. It's good to, good to be chatting to you. Um, Ryan, just tell us more about Accelerate Cape Town. Uh, we'll talk about private partnerships and all that stuff, but um, for those who don't, know what Accelerate Cape actually does. Just a, a bit of a proceed overview. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Kino. It's always good chatting to you. Um, yeah, so Accelerate Cape Town is a business leadership organization. So mm. I think um, well, many people don't know what that means. And, and really what it mm. is, is we convene business leaders, government leaders, and academic leaders. And we bring all of these people together to really engage around some of the key issues um, affecting our economy, affecting mm. our region, um, and, and so on. And, um, you know, this network uh, becomes quite influential uh, to a certain extent. And, and mm. we've obviously try and support what's happening at a national level with business leadership, South Africa, BUSA, and, and all of those sorts of engagements as well. Okay, interesting. Uh, and, and you guys have some of the, the you know, top 40 or 50 businesses in the country that are part of your membership as well. And, you know, this, yep. brings, this brings us to not post-pandemic, but post one and two, right, where we, we know there's systemic problems, and I don't want to get all uh, academic about it, but, but we know there's blood on the dance floor. Um, you know, lots of people have lost jobs. Um, the, you know, the, 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 the Gini coefficient has been, you know, if you look at the, the richest billionaires have become even richer, and the poorest people have become even poorer. Um, and so our Gini coefficient, no doubt, has widened the gap between the haves and the have-nots in society. And I made this point, right? And I saw the, the things that you guys have sent around infrastructure builds and all the rest of it. But this is the one thing that I criticize the president about. He sits and he talks about the infrastructural development plan, which has a very good role to play. But my challenge is that we're leaving... Everybody outside of the easy business, businesses that have scaled, businesses that have some type of balance sheets, etc., etc., to, to, to try and create these jobs. But the one thing we know, Ryan, and you can maybe disagree with me on this, big business is not going to create all the jobs we need in this country, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a good point, the Gini coefficient. I think mm. it's worth remembering. 
mm. that South Africa has the highest Gini coefficient in the world. Correct. And Cape Town um, is one of the most unequal societies on the planet. Correct. So um, there's an enormous amount of work that needs to be done. A lot of the inequality in South Africa is still very much based on the apartheid architecture and the ways in which our cities were built, the ways mm. in which public transport connects people uh, mm. and so on and so on. And so... But yeah. a lot of that also lies within the, the inequality that uh, of opportunity that exists as well, right? So I did tell people earlier not to play victim, but I think at the, on the other side, we also need to understand that, I mean, go, go to any organization, lots of big organizations in the world. Look at the top operational managers in those organizations outside of ESCOM, right? <laughs> and look who sits in as top operational managers, whether you're in media whether you're doing, I don't know, manufacturing, whatever, have a look at, at what. So, you know, and, and this is me almost speaking to some of your base that you represent. I was saying that it's, it's not COVID that's created a lot of this. It's corruption in government, right, which is the one thing, yeah. else we'd have more resources. The other part is how sick business can be sometimes, paying chief executives 50 million rand and another 20 million rand bonus when the person who comes in at the lower level um, can't afford to buy bread by the 15th of the month. And it's that type of disparity and a lack of access to the supply chains that these big businesses control that is one of, not all, not the only, but one of the reasons we find ourselves in the place we do today. Absolutely. I mean, um, it's a it's a very important point. You know, salary disparities um, between the highest earning and the lowest earning. But you know, it's also a factor of um, the infrastructure that you may have had access to as a mm. youth and growing up. So the quality of your school will determine. Yes. To a large extent, what kind of education you get, sure. whether you have an opportunity at university. Sure. Um, I mean, in fact, even if you did well at school, as we're seeing now, do we even have enough universities to educate people? Exactly. And so the problem then that arises is that you have a very tiny sliver of people who are suitably qualified and mm. who are able to get those opportunities. Um, and then, of course, you know, we, we have a very onerous visa regime in this country, which means you can't really... Um, any any sort of high-level skills from elsewhere. And so mm. those highly skilled people in our country become more and more sought after. Um, and, of course, they have the ability to leave at any point and go and earn dollars and mm. go to the Middle East and earn the big bucks. And so companies need to hold on to them um, at, at all costs in, in this country. And, and this is a big factor in driving sort of this um, income disparity and, and inequality. Uh, within our companies, unfortunately. I'm going to play something for you that I played on the show earlier with Barbara. I think it's worthwhile playing again. Right. It is a, a, a CEO of, I think it's a fintech company, right, who not too, not too long ago said that he was going to increase the minimum wage to 70,000 US dollars. Uh, in anybody's terms, that's a hell of a lot of money as a minimum wage, yeah. right? And yeah. this was the response to him doing it. All these clever, you know, these media people always think they're clever. They think they know better than anybody else, but they can't even run a business themselves. Right. So um, let, let, let's take a listen to the reaction that he got. Joe, let's just play it for Ryan quickly. And for everybody else who missed it this morning when Barbara presented it. What I wanted to announce today is we're going to have a minimum uh, $70,000 pay rate for everyone that works here. 
Have you seen the CEO of the Seattle-based company who raised the minimum wage at his credit card processing company to $70,000 per year? Lunatic of all lunatics, Dan Price, CEO of Gravity Payments. I hope this company is a case study in MBA programs on how socialism does not work, because it's going to fail. Mm, thoughts on this guy? Personally, personally, I think he's a socialist, but this is the man who's doing it. Are you a socialist? Well, look, you know, I don't support a minimum wage increase because it's a job killer, but he's a private business owner. If he wants to do this in between hugging trees... I have a hunch we're going to know Dan Price for a really long time, but the 130 employees of Gravity Payments, I think they're going to be on the welfare line. So. I have to say, Eric, I think he's pretty foolish. I think he's pretty foolish. The whole world pretty much was against it and said we would fail. And I think he's quadrupled his income. Yeah. So it's counterintuitive to what business tells us, right? We need to pay the big guys lots of money so that we can keep them. But if we put the right big guys and women, by the way, in those companies and they care for everybody else, there's nothing bloody socialist, Ryan. I'm not saying you said it. I'm listening to all these bright sparks. There's nothing socialist about trying to look after everybody who works in your business so that they can give back more, drive better productivity. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, something that we've been um, emphasizing quite a bit over the last couple of years is the social responsibility of companies. You know, we've got companies in this country that have been mm. around 100, 150 years, and they, they like to remind us that they've been here, you know, pretty much since the beginning. But these are the companies who built their balance sheets during apartheid. Mm. And so you, you've got a question to what extent are they responsible or do they need to accept responsibility for redressing some of the inequalities that mm. they've benefited from over the years? So, so absolutely. And, you know, just with respect to the gentleman who's raised his minimum wage with his company, I think when you're in the States and you have a, a surplus of talent and you're able to attract people that are looking for more than just a salary and are looking for, uh, you know, almost a, a higher role mm. within society and are willing to contribute, um, then that works quite well. I mean, another model that I, I've come across is um, a company that sort of said, everybody choose your own salary, right? Um, but it's on condition that everybody else knows what you're taking out of the company. Mm. And so what that company does is they, they make all of their financials available to all the employees, um, and they engage the employees as partners in their business, and they allow everybody to choose their own salary. And amazingly, that model works exceptionally well because mm. it, it self-regulate you know if if you uh, the dude who operates a particular machine mm. and you decide that you want a ridiculous salary the company will pay that to you but very quickly all your colleagues are going to become aware of what you're taking out of the business and the impact that has on the bottom line and just the peer pressure will get you to adjust that and so yeah. um, that's been a very interesting model but you know you, you've got to bear in mind that in south africa we we don't have the luxury of Abundant resources and abundant talent ah. uh, and abundant opportunity. Ryan, wait a minute. Which 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 sector are you talking about? Because well, that is a very general statement to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, but generic, it is a generic statement, right? Hmm. Um, so there are some sectors in South Africa that do quite well. Um, uh, you know, we, we know, for example, that a lot of billionaires and billionaires have been made in mining, in property development and, yeah. and those sorts of uh, spaces. Technology um, as well? Technology as well is emerging. Um, but again, you know, would we want to limit people's opportunity and ambition 
to really um, uh, make the big bucks. You know, something that was quite interesting for me recently, um, we convened a lot of startup businesses and innovative businesses that mm-hmm. have uh, started up in, in the cave. Mm-hmm. And um, what we found was that every single one of them that had been successful mm-hmm. registered their next business in Mauritius. Mm. Um, and, and that's a very dangerous thing for our country, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it was because they felt they couldn't realize their full potential in South Africa. And so instead, those founders moved their assets offshore. They still do the work in, in mm. Cape Town, but those businesses are registered. That's um, a government outside. problem, though, right? So, I mean, if you, if you build your IP, let's say technology, you build your, 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 your tech stack over here, um, in order to get it out of the country, you have to play exchange controls because it's subject to that. They made promises that it would be gone. It's not gone. Um, there's the labor regime, right? I, I don't mind paying people a lot of money, but make it easier for me to then get rid of them if they're not productive and they're taking the mickey out of me. And Absolutely. that can all be regulated by a contract, which could be enforceable um, in a court or, or, or a labor court for that matter. So it's 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 not about paying people uh, and not paying people enough money, I, I reckon that if you pay people what they're worth, even in this particular context, you're going to draw the best talent. And with the best talent and the best attitudes and the best productivity, you could potentially outdo your competition. And they're going to go, but listen, why are we losing all this talent to Ryan Ravens Incorporated? Well, because Ryan Ravens Incorporated actually gives a damn about the livelihoods of people and is willing to take that profit margin, drop it slightly, and pour that back into the company just the way we pour money back into resources, physical resources that we have to buy to produce things, Ryan. Absolutely. And and let's be honest, you know, um, it's not spreadsheets and profit margins that yeah. run companies. It's people that yeah. run companies. Yeah. And so you need to keep them invested. But, you know, you, you cannot discount the, the importance of the founder and the entrepreneurial motivation. Correct. And unfortunately, in this country, and, and you rightfully touched on it, our legislation is so onerous. Our labor laws are so onerous. Um, and it's a, a deterrent to an entrepreneur wanting to start up a business here, wanting to get things going, because um, they're always going to feel that, that there are complications and challenges with respect to, to labor, and particularly unproductive labor. You, you mm. can't consider them, as we've seen with um, companies like SAA, mm. um, that continue to be an enormous burden on our, our public finances. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, labor unions, of course, hold sway in this country because they are a very important political player. Mm. And so you have politicians who desperately need to keep labor unions on side, and that yeah. negatively impacts uh, the business operating environment. So it's a, it's a complex it's a complex issue. I mean, I, mm. I wish we could all sort of just pay people what they want to mm. Mm. Um, well, know, not, not, not everybody can do it. You're spot on. I mean, not, not everybody yeah. can do it. But the challenge is, um, if you asked Vodacom CEO, he could. Well, you know, I, I do also feel we, we've got to be careful with this narrative because, to my mind, one of the biggest damages that we've done to our country, and in particular mm. to our youth, is we've instilled a mindset of entitlement. Sure story. And what Absolutely. I mean by that is, you know, uh, people feel that they should be given things because mm. that's the political narrative and the messaging mm. that's been sort of forced on them since birth, effectively. Mm. Um, you know, if you vote in a certain way, we will mm. take from these mm. guys and give it to you. Mm. And what that's done is destroyed um Motivation. It's destroyed ambition. It's destroyed that willingness to sort of mm. put in the, the hard yards 
um, to be an entrepreneur, which is not an easy thing. You know, starting a company a and getting us um, uh, successful is not an easy thing. And so Absolutely. we've destroyed that ambition in our youth. Mm. Um, and, and when you then start saying to that by being an entrepreneur, well, even if you were successful, guess wow. what? You're not going to earn any more than any of these other guys <laughs> who you have to employ exactly. because the union says you've got to employ them because, you know, we're going to pay everybody equally. And so what have you done to that entrepreneur's motivation and his willingness to really stick his neck out or her neck out and that willingness to really suffer? Mm. You know, Absolutely. all entrepreneurs will tell you the starting journey is one of suffering, right? And of course it is. Push through that because mm. you believe that um, you're going to be rewarded later down the line. If you remove that um, reward mm. and that prospect of reward straight from the very beginning, then then what is the motivation to endure the suffering? You know, then I might as well just get into line with all the other people wanting to get an equal paycheck. Exactly. Um, no, no, fair, fair enough. Just wait, you know. Fair enough. Uh, I, I agree with you on that. But uh, listen, I want to do a part two of this discussion um, uh, uh, early, early um, maybe not tomorrow, but early next week. Tomorrow's Friday. I don't think Ryan wants to talk about public-private partnerships on a Friday. It's <laughs> yeah, like 35 degrees. It, <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you back because this is a good scene setter for that discussion. Absolutely. I want to get you up uh, next week and let's talk about, in the light of this particular discussion, how public-private partnerships could work to make a difference because I think it is a great discussion to have. So Ryan Ravis, always been a fan of your work, CEO of Accelerate Cater.